Greetings, friends, family, neighbors, newcomers, one and all, and welcome aboard. It's May 6th, and this is the one-year Bible tour. We're on a great journey surveying God's mighty and gentle works throughout the history of redemption, as recorded in the 66 books of the Bible. I say gentle works because we're dealing with the book of Ruth today. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to serve as your one-year Bible tour guide host, encouraging you to press on with the daily intake of God's Word. I know something of the transformative impact that God's Word has had on my life and can only say that this is an exercise that you will not regret. Daily Bible Reading We all know the benefit of regular physical exercise, but how much more important it is to exercise ourselves towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. We're living in a world experiencing rapid change, but God's word is forever settled in heaven. There's no need to adjust the Bible's message to make it more relevant to contemporary culture. Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Think of that. They will never pass away. They will never be retired or put on mothballs. They are of eternal importance and eternal relevance. And the Old Testament scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit of God and give us the vocabulary of redemption, important elements enabling us to understand the gospel more fully as it's progressively revealed. As the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, they are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So today we continue this wonderful account of God's mercy extended to someone who was outside the covenant people of God, who was grafted in, so to speak. This is the Romance of Redemption, the story of Ruth the Moabitess. Yesterday, in the opening chapter, we saw how Ruth, a young widow, followed her mother-in-law, Naomi, also a widow, from her homeland in Moab to Bethlehem, Judah. By this time, her mother-in-law no longer wanted to be referred to by her given name, Naomi, meaning pleasant. Instead, she wanted people to call her Mara, meaning bitter. Yet God's mercies will intervene. Let's follow the story of Ruth and Naomi and see how their sorrows are turned to joy through the kinsman redeemer whom they will encounter today. The Book of Ruth, Chapter 2 Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman, who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. 
Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land, and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread, and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also, pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Chapter 3 Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor, and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? 
And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this lasting kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a Redeemer, yet there is a Redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Chapter 4 Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it, and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here, and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me, that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah, and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah.
because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life, and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child, and laid him on her lap, and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Amminadab. Amminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, Megalot Ruth, is read by the Jews every year on the Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, otherwise known as Pentecost. It is also called the Festival of Reaping. The book of Ruth is about a childless widow born outside the covenant of God who reaps an abundant harvest that was sown by the hand of another. This is what grace is all about, unmerited favor, greatest riches at Christ's expense. She who was foreign-born identifies by faith with the God of Israel and finds herself gleaning in the field of a man who would prove to be her kinsman redeemer. As a result, she would be grafted into the seed of Abraham and through her descendants would come Abraham's promised seed, the Messiah. Matthew chapter 1 verse 5. Shavuot is also called Pentecost because it is linked to the Passover, being the fiftieth day after the Passover Sabbath. On the Passover, the Lamb of God, Christ, was slain, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 6. The promised seed of Abraham fell into the ground and died, John chapter 12 verse 24. That perfect seed was made alive again, first as it appeared in resurrection power on the third day, the Feast of Firstfruits, and then, seven weeks later, in the first harvest on the day of Pentecost, the book of Acts chapter 2. On that day, the life of Christ was reproduced by the power of the Holy Spirit in those gathered by faith in the preaching of the gospel. It was a day of grace, great grace. What happened at Pentecost as the seed of Christ's life was reproduced in an abundant harvest of more than 3,000 souls was a direct consequence of what had preceded it, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, our Passover. Because of what the law had decreed and what Boaz did, a person born outside the covenant promises of God reaps a harvest of favor. In the story of Ruth and the celebration of Shavuot, we see another foreshadowing of the gospel. In Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 to 21, the command to celebrate Shavuot is immediately followed by the command to make provision at the time of harvest for the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner, that is, the Gentile, in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22. The blessings Christ has won for his chosen people are to be shared with all the nations. 
Traditionally, the Feast of Shavuot commemorates the giving of the law at Sinai. Remember, 3,000 died on that day. Exodus chapter 32, verse 28. On that occasion, God wrote the law on tables of stone. In the New Testament, when the day of Pentecost fully comes, in Acts chapter 2, the law is written on the fleshy tables of the heart by the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 are saved. The new covenant promise is fulfilled. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 to 27. According to the book of Leviticus, on the feast of Shavuot, two leavened loaves of bread were lifted up by the high priest as mediator in one united movement before the Lord. What a picture of the New Testament harvest this is. It is a wave offering representing what was to come, two people groups, Jews and Gentiles, being lifted up in the same single offering by the hands of the same high priest. Leviticus chapter 23, verses 17 to 20. In the book of Ruth, we see two parties, two loaves, a Jewess, Naomi, and a Gentile, Ruth, brought into the experience of the mercy of the law by the mediation of another, that is Boaz. By the same action, the household and heritage of Elimelech, meaning my God is king, is restored, and Ruth, the believing Gentile, is grafted into the promises of the covenant. The testimony of the kingdom of God, the name of my God is king, is no longer forgotten in Israel. The written law said that the redemption of the lost inheritance was a possibility, but it did not have the power to will it or perform it. The redemption required a fit intercessor. The name Boaz means in him is strength. Redemption was not a possibility until the kinsman redeemer, that is Boaz, came along. We can see in this story an illustration of the principle found in the book of Romans. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. The book of Ruth, like the Feast of Shavuot, celebrates the mercy of the law. It also celebrates the mediator of a new covenant, Boaz, who ensures that the mercy of the law falls upon those who would not otherwise have access to it. There were a number of merciful provisions written in the law of God that Ruth chose to lay hold of by faith. Number one, the Israelites were commanded to leave the corners of their fields unharvested so the poor, the widows, and the foreigners would be able to fully reap them for food. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22. Secondly, widows, orphans, and foreigners were encouraged to follow behind the Israelite harvesters and collect any grain that they had missed, that is, the gleanings. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 19 to 22. Number three, when a widow is childless, leaving no heir to carry on the name of her deceased husband, his brother or near relative, is to take the responsibility of marrying the man's widow, so his name will not be forgotten and his inheritance restored to the family. This provision is called the leveret marriage, called yibum in Hebrew, and is described in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 and 6. Ruth put her faith in God's word. She believed that the God of Israel loved her and had made provision for her. 
So she asked Naomi if she might follow the reapers and glean the leftovers according to the provisions written in God's word. Naomi gives Ruth permission to go. This was an act of faith on Ruth's part. God's guiding hand is evident as Ruth finds herself in fields owned by a man named Boaz, a near relative of Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech. Boaz is a type of Jesus Christ, the greater kinsman-redeemer. In the Incarnation, God became one of us, a kinsman. He was tempted at every point as we are tempted, yet without sin. He lives a life of full confidence in God the Father who sent him, and lives out from his sufficient resources. Boaz is described as a man of great wealth, great resources, and great standing. His name means, in him is strength. Ruth finds grace, safety, and acceptance under the care of the Lord of the harvest. Boaz commands her not to go to the field of another, assuring her that what she discovers here will be more than sufficient. He invites Ruth to dine with the reapers, and he serves her roasted grain. Whereas the law commanded that foreigners could take whatever leftovers they could find after the fields had been picked over by the reapers, Boaz commanded his workers to deliberately leave behind handfuls of grain for Ruth to glean, Ruth chapter 2, verse 16, and not to treat her with scorn. When Ruth returns to tell Naomi of the providence she has experienced that day, the protection, provisions, and privileges she was offered by Boaz, Naomi tells her of the greater providence, that Boaz is her deceased husband's close relative. According to the law, Boaz is qualified to redeem the lost inheritance of Elimelech. The question is, would he be willing? The book of Ruth is not just a story of the mercy of the law, but a heart of love. It is easy for the reader to see that Ruth has a special place in Boaz's affections. But Naomi does not know this, and she coaches Ruth as to how she can both capture his interest and make her request that he act as her kinsman redeemer. The barley harvest is finally being reaped. The grain must be separated from chaff on the threshing floor. The threshing floor has great symbolic meaning. It is the place where separation takes place. The grain was separated from the stalks and chaff. Animals would walk on the stalks and crush them. The crushed stalks would release the grain. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, workers would throw the grain into the air and the wind would blow the lighter chaff away and the heavier grain would fall to the ground to be sifted, gathered, and carried away for storage or to be brought to the market. God has a plan to separate the wheat from the tares and the chaff from the grain. He does this sifting at the cross of Christ. Four times in chapter 3, we read about the feet of Boaz. In the first two instances, Ruth is to uncover his feet, a prophetic picture of our recognition that we need the walk of our Redeemer, who would lay down his life to fulfill the law on our behalf. For her to place herself at his feet was not only to adopt a position of submission, but to claim his feet as her own. It was asking him to obey the law of the kinsman Redeemer and take her as his own. It was a proposal for marriage. To extend the border of one's mantle over a person is to claim that person for yourself. The word for skirt is translated elsewhere as wing. It means to come under the wings or care of another. Why did she not wait for him to ask her to marry her? Because Boaz was an older man, he fully expected that she would marry someone younger, 
See chapter 3, verse 10. Another reason is that there was another man in town who was a closer relative than Boaz. He had the first option of exercising the provision of a leveret marriage. In chapter 3, verse 12. Perhaps Naomi knew of this and wanted Ruth to force the issue by approaching the more preferable candidate, Boaz, a man of good standing, who would then have to take the initiative and persuade the nearer kinsman to waive his rights. Boaz responds positively to Ruth's request and pledges to do all that he can to solve the problem of the nearer kinsman. The qualifications of a kinsman redeemer, in the Hebrew called a goel, are as follows. Number one, the goel must be related by blood to the family he redeems. We see how Jesus fulfills this qualification in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Number two, he must be able to pay the price of redemption. We see how Jesus fulfills this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Number three, he must be willing to redeem. We see how Jesus fulfills this in John chapter 10, verse 15. Number four, he must be free himself, that is not indebted to another. Jesus perfectly meets the qualifications. He became flesh and blood. He alone has the qualification to pay the price to redeem us. In our case, it would be a sinless life. He was free from any debt to the law and was willing to lay down his life for us. The book of Ruth concludes with a joyous ending. Boaz marries Ruth. The Lord enables Ruth to conceive a child to restore the family inheritance in the name of Elimelech, my God is king. The child's name is Obed, meaning servant. Obed becomes the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David, whose greater son is the servant king, who redeems us and qualifies us as fellow heirs in the harvest of grace. Now let's go to the New Testament, reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 43 to 54. John chapter 4, verse 43. After the two days he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, the servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed, and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament, the Gospel according to John. In this reading, we see the prediction of the rejection of Israel's Messiah and his acceptance by the Gentiles as Jesus departs Judea after the Passover and is welcomed in Galilee. This incident parallels what is recorded in Matthew. 
In Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. The second sign event is the healing of the nobleman's son. The first sign was given in the face of social failure at a wedding ceremony. The second sign is in the face of human grief. A government official from Capernaum asked Jesus to heal his dying son. Jesus tells him that his son is healed and to return home. He discovers that the boy was healed the moment that Jesus said, Your son will live. Both miracles took place in Cana. Both were on the third day. Both were by request. Mary summoned Jesus at the wedding, and the nobleman asked for his son's healing. Both were met with soft rebukes. Both miracles required the obedience of faith. The servants at the wedding filled the six empty water pots, and the nobleman went home believing. In both miracles we see the word at work, for Jesus did nothing but speak. In both cases, those who witnessed the miracles believed. These signs call us to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. By believing Him, the water is turned to wine, joy is returned to the wedding, and life is restored to the dead. Now let's read from the book of Psalms. We're continuing Psalm 105, now with verses 16 through 36. And once again, reading Psalm 105 is Peter Healy. When he summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, he sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham, and the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and miracles in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark. They did not rebel against his words. He turned their waters into blood, and he caused their fish to die. Their land swarmed with frogs, even in the chamber of their kings. He spoke, and there came a swarm of flies and gnats throughout their country. He gave them hail for rain and firing lightning bolts through their land. He struck down their vines and fig trees, and shattered the trees of their country. He spoke, and the locusts came, young locusts without numbers, which devoured all the vegetation in their land, and ate up the fruit of their ground. He struck down all the firstborn in their land, the firstfruits of all their strength. Thank you, Peter. 
This psalm is giving an account of God's dealings with his people, and this section begins by focusing on God's work in and through the person of Joseph, Jacob's beloved son, who was sold into slavery by his brothers. Notice verse 19, Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. It is good to be reminded of these two facts. God will fulfill his word, but in the meanwhile, he is testing our character. Are we holding true to the promise and the promiser? The psalmist recounts the history of Israel from Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers to the surprise outcome, Joseph's exaltation to the right hand of Pharaoh. Then he fast-forwards us to Israel's emergence from their oppression in Egypt as a great nation miraculously delivered at the first Passover. Now let's read from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. In the fear of the Lord one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is the reverence that stems from an accurate recognition of who God is and results in an absolute reliance upon Him. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Father, we praise You for the merciful provision of a kinsman-redeemer who fulfills the law, lays down his life to redeem and restore the lost inheritance of humanity, and receive a bride as his co-regent. We will sing of your mercies forever. All glory, honor, and power to you, Almighty God. Thank you for the gift of fellowship through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, that concludes today's time of reading through the daily portion of the One Year Bible, and we look forward to being with you tomorrow. Again, if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, you can visit our website, newlife.org. And there you can subscribe to our daily email, which gives you a written commentary with illustrations, all based on the daily readings of the One Year Bible. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. We trust that you've been strengthened by this revelation of God's grace through His Holy Word. And God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow. Ciao.